Welcome to Riverdale. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome to Riverdale, guys. This is the Carefree Black Nerd Riverdale Review Show, covering the CW's Archie vs. flagship show, Riverdale. This is Season 3, Episode 3, technically Chapter 38, As Above, So Below. Woo! Alright, so, these motherfuckers have taken us on a goddamn ride. Um, before we get into the kind of recap review, revisiting of this episode, make sure you use that hashtag WTRPod when you're listening to this episode of Welcome to Riverdale. Live tweet using that hashtag WTRPod as well as when you're watching Riverdale live or in syndication or on the CW app or on Netflix. However you consume your Riverdale media, make sure to use that WTRPod hashtag. Now, y'all. This is some shit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think or what to say. Riverdale chapter 38 as above, so below. I know that's some kind of Baphomet occult type thing or whatever. So I guess that is the through line with the titles, which makes sense because it feeds into the whole Gargoyle King thing. I don't know how much of a review I'm going to give for this episode. Um... After last episode and really the episodes before, uh, yeah, <laughs> I I don't I don't know how to feel or what to think. Um, I'm still having my issues with the treatment of Mad Dog, the original Mad Dog, the black guy. Um, but I feel like they're not going to pick up with him. I feel like we're not going to revisit him. With this show, like, out of sight, out of mind, he popped in, served his purpose, and now Archie has the mantle, so it is what it is. Um, I don't know. Oddly enough, Jughead and Betty are sleeping in Dilton's bunker. Like, that's their now love cave or whatever. I'm just thinking, does that thing have heat? Does it have air? Like, what? It's, it's a strange, strange situation. Um... Back at the juvenile detention center, pretty much Fred is trying to see his son. Archie has been locked up for a week. They're letting him know we'll keep you in there for another week and another week. So what seems to have happened is that three weeks have passed. And because uh, the next scene after Archie's scene is uh, FP and Alice laying in the bed talking about, oh, it's been a wild couple weeks, you know, people stop playing the game and all this other shit. And so they kind of rushed stuff. And I'm okay with that. Uh, cause it's a clear time jump where three weeks later past last episode, uh, which also gives us way to have Veronica speakeasy open as well, which is like Veronica has a speakeasy and it's been ready for weeks and it's underneath pops. This is so weird. Uh, so weird. So Fred is, uh, going to get sick his lawyer onto the warden because he can't see his son. Warder's like, yeah, he's been fucking up. We didn't take privileges away from him. I'll decide when he gets to be seen again. And that makes sense. But also, this is a juvenile detention center. Like, I would imagine the rules would be slightly different from jail or prison because these are children. But you can just lock someone in solitary confinement. Isn't juvenile supposed to be the most rehabilitated? Terry? 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 
<laughs> of all the like prison industrial complex institutions, I would imagine. Possibly not. Maybe I'm just talking out the side of my ass. Anyone who's been to juvenile or juvenile adjacent or knows someone or whatever, let me know because I'm, I'm just grasping at scraws here. Um, Betty and Jughead are on this tireless mission to discover what's up with the Cargo King, who's doing what, and who is he, and is he real, and who's following him. So um, they see Ethel and. I forget homegirl name with the red hair. Uh, Edgar Ether, Evernever's daughter. We'll call her Evernever. Uh, Little Miss Evernever is has like a, a teen support group for like post-traumatic stress called The Farm. I don't know. This is odd. It's very convoluted. It's just like a catch-all for like a, a cult or a AA meeting or like a rehab group. I don't know. It's pretty much to follow that storyline through. Jughead and Betty are pretty much trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with Ethel, what the fuck is going on with the Gargoyle King, uh, why did Dilton and Ben kill themselves, what is this blue Windex lipstick shit that people are drinking to kill themselves, and I honestly do like this discovery of what's going on with the Gargoyle King, what's going on um, with this game, I like that. Even without the added element of the adults in the town have played this once when they were young, I do like this whole discovery of a game that is, though it, some of it seems a bit predictable, it's um, it's something new. And I feel like it's something that now Riverdale has a bit of a better grasp on. I don't feel like they know exactly 100% what they're doing, but it does seem as if Riverdale writers and creators and whatever have a firm idea of where this is going to go. I feel like this storyline will probably follow out without diverging too far to the right or the left. You know, how they can pull, bring us some shit and we never address it again. They're good for that. So I'm 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 happy. I'm happy about that. Uh now Veronica Speakeasy where Reggie is like the right hand man and they spend a lot of time together. And the thing that is interesting to me is uh, if they're going to end up forming some type of romantic bond. Uh, because, of course, historically in the comics, Reginald and Veronica have had some type of, you know, romantic interest here and there. So I wonder if that's a route that they're going to take straight from the comics. That would be interesting considering Archie is locked up right now. And Archie is Reggie's quote-unquote bestie or at least close friend and veronica is his lady love so i'd like to see if they're going to even go down that road with that uh coupling now penetably or p2p whatever this blonde chick who's now a ghoulie comes to like shake down veronica and so does detective minetta now this fine motherfucker what i want to know is why does he have to do this why is this and it's not even because oh he's great and he's one of the only other poc on this show but honestly and truthfully why is he like because it, it the, my understanding is that he's under the thumb of hiram lodge much like the ghoulies so you know dad is shaking down veronica but why I feel like Manetta was a good character to be separate from all this bullshit, kind of in the way that Weatherby is. He exists in the town. He is a principal. He knows every goddamn body, but he is not immersed in their bullshit. And I wish Manetta had been the same way, 
but it turns out that he's shaking down Veronica because he wants a donation and it's pretty much like protection money, much like what the ghoulies are trying to get from her. It's, it's, it seems cheap. Like, why is he now the ghoulies I can see and you know, they're rivals of the serpents and then she's affiliated with the serpents and all this. I can see that, but why would Mineta want to, it just makes no sense. It makes sense because he's working for Hiram, but it doesn't make sense because he's above all of this shit. Like, he's mad at the kids for getting in the way of his investigation. He's been, like, the most straight-laced motherfucker on this whole show. And it would have been nice if he was the one character who wasn't affected or um, influenced by the bullshit. But whatever. You win some, you lose some. I'm still happy he's uh, on the show, you know, in whatever capacity so, uh, pretty much he popped up after the ghoulies end up sending Veronica this like big case or a few cases of jingle jangle, which I'm still like, man, this is what I'm saying. Y'all be extremely serious and then extremely goofy. And then somewhere in the middle the the show kind of hits it marked at times. But this, this was weird. Just a bunch of pixie sticks. I would imagine it's probably just cheaper for the show to just purchase a large quantity of these damn pixie sticks. And just use them as being drugs. And it's, you can actually have the cast consume this sugar and it not be like they're consuming heroin and then having to act. So, on that regard, I get it, but whatever. Um, Riverdale, do what you do. Um, so, one thing I want to point out is that I do not like Ethel. Like, I don't even like the actress. Um, Stranger Things was great. Love me some Barb. Seeing this girl, what she played, what show was that? Is it not show what movie? Um, Sarah, somebody is a loser or so, whatever. Was she played the chick that catfished the boy and ultimately got mad at him and fucked his life up and got mad at the girl who she used as the catfish picture who she then befriended and got it's a whole pretty much a fucked up ass story that should never been told. Um, not a fan of it. Seeing her in this show, I am not a fan. I don't, I don't, I don't think I like this actress at all. Like, I don't like her. I don't like looking at her. I don't like seeing her on screen. And it it's, it surpasses the whole Ethel thing. And it probably has a lot to do with that movie on Netflix that she was in. The whoever, whoever is a loser, Sarah, whoever is a loser. I don't think I like her that much or at all. Um, I could go without seeing her at all for the rest of the season. I would be so happy. Um, so she pretty much tells Jughead, you know, Betty, you ain't worthy. You can't play the game. Uh, Jughead, meet me at Dilton's bunker, which raises the question. If Jughead and Betty have been sleeping in that bunker forever in a day and everybody else who plays the game knows where the bunker is because that's where y'all play it. And there's no way to like lock the bunker, I would imagine. Um, or even if there is, it doesn't matter if the Gargoyle King knows where that's where everyone was and that's where we're doing their thing. Why is he not just there trying to attack them or do whatever he did? It's such a weird, like if the bunker is the central location for all this bullshit, why are you not there at the bunker? Even though, the, I don't know, maybe more will come out later. Uh, we find out that Archie is in this like fight club situation. Not fight club. What's that movie with Michael J. White where he was in a prison and he had to fight? In order to get out. And it's the same thing they did with Luke Cage. Season 1. The movie escapes me but whatever. So Archie and this ragtag group of fighters. I'm just. 
I'm not moved by this storyline. Essentially, what happens is Archie is fighting. He is the new Mad Dog. He is the champion, and pretty much the warden is pimping them out. They're make he's making them fight. You have to have the fight last five or six rounds. He want to see blood. He's paying. He's getting paid admission, uh, pay, selling tickets to the guards. But he said to the guards, but then there are like other people there who I don't think are like staff. Like there was a random woman a couple times and some other people who weren't in uniform. I don't know what the hell was going on. And then they're like in a pool, but they're standing above the pool. And the ring is like there's this plank on the deepest part of the. It's such a it's a weird little setup. Uh, I mean, it's a, it makes sense, you know, low cost or whatever, but it's still weird. And it's even more weird that they put a bag over Archie's head every time they drag him into the ring or whatever. But we're to assume that this is still part of the prison, right? Like, what's the point of putting the bag on his head? He's still going here to fight. Like, you're not taking him to a whole new location that looks entirely different from the prison it's still gray it's still blue it's still dark and dreary it looks just like we're in the prison just like that music room slash gym did in the last episode so it's this is strange this is really strange um so that storyline wraps up with him deciding him being archie that we're gonna escape from this prison and the one thing i did like about this episode with archie in you know regards to archie is that he gets uh all these things the tv and books and stuff when he gets done with his last fight and he asks the guard what is this the guard's like well these are hand-me-downs from mad dog you know you whatever you because he's gotten pops for dinner uh as for winning a fight or whatever and he the warden brings a bottle of wine to him or rum rum that's what it is and he accepts it and then he looks at it when the warden walks up and it's lodge rum which i for the life of me can't pinpoint what the fuck the lodge has got going on what do they do they got their hands in everything well archie reads it has a couple flashbacks to where he's been arrested and walked away and like pretty much becoming a the criminal or the prisoner that he is now and he always sees Hiram in the back smiling his smug little smile and he throws it at the it being the bottle at the uh at the door and I like that scene that was a really it, it, I, I was I was behind Archie at that moment like yeah man this man and you didn't done some fucked up shit but he has really leaned into fucking with your life in a way that got you in this situation that you're in now so in the midst of Archie, like, fucking up the cell, a couple books fall out, and he sits on the ground. Uh, and a quick aside, when he threw that glass bottle, I'm like, nigga, I don't think you're wearing shoes. Or if you are, they're, like, thin as hell, but whatever. So he's on the ground, and he opens up one book, which I thought was the Ghoulies and Junkies, but whatever the fuck that Gargoyle and Junkie shit that they're reading midge and midge um ethel and dilton in them whatever it is i thought that's what it was but i i can't i can't recall the name of the book but i think it was just a regular book and he opens it and there's like this how do i explain it like the shape of a hammer or a pick hammer that you would i guess chisel ice with it's the shape of that with like cut out in the pages like if you have a book and you cut out the shape of a flask so you can drink your flask and read act like you're reading your book now I, I was with Archie, even when he saw that, I'm like, okay, he gonna find a way to make this thing, or he gonna find a way to get out, or, you know, find a way to kill somebody, I was with him, when this motherfucker showed up with the group, who he's been exercising with, and kind of fighting with, he tells them, 
you know what? Mad Dog had this book, and I opened it up, and it had that hammer shape in it. And I think what he was saying is that, you know, it was there to remind him that there's a world on the outside of these walls. I'm like, how do you, what do you mean, bro? You knew this man for all of, I don't know, a week. You mean to tell me that you know that what he had that in there for was because it reminded him that there was a word like what that makes absolutely no sense. At this point, you're just talking. You might as well say, well, he told me himself before he left off camera when the cameras weren't rolling that there is a world. I was like, what are you doing? This was weird. No, Archie, that's not what he was thinking. He was probably thinking I'm in here with all these motherfuckers. I ain't did shit. But yet here I am fighting for my life. What the fuck else? Or like, let me sucker in this new guy to take my place like what what could he that was such a weird thing to me why are you whatever so but i did like the ending where he said you know pretty much we're gonna escape this place but i thought he would have said we're gonna escape tonight i mean he was like yeah we're gonna escape this place eventually or like one way or another or something and joaquin's eye is still swollen because earlier in the episode the reason why archie even accepted to fight in these battles is because Joaquin was getting his ass beat. Which I'm like, what the fuck? Every time, like, why are these people not recognizing that clearly if you don't do something, they're going to go after your friends? Is Joaquin even a friend of Archie's? Like, yeah, that's Kevin's ex, but are they friends? Because I'm like, well, you can whoop his ass. I don't, like, that means nothing to me. I don't, I don't know. I just, maybe because he's a serpent, but there are other serpents in there too. Like that, I don't know. Um, Whatever. So uh, Betty and Jughead. Jughead goes off to do the whole Ethel thing. Before that, Betty sits with uh, Mrs. Eggernever at her little youth group, and no one's there. Betty's like, oh, you know, is am I early? And she's like, no, you know, the farm is growing. No one's really coming now, but they'll be here. This whole guy, like five big-ass boxes of pizza. I would have showed up just to taste the pizza. Um, so to, to kind of fast-track her storyline, pretty much Betty goes home to find out that in order to even get to Edgar Never, Edgar Never, whoever, the cult leader, you have to go through his, like, Dora Milaje, you know, his, I don't know, let me speak to a manager Milaje group of women. And it's just a bunch of women sitting around in a circle. And what daughter Edgar Never says is that you have to give us all of your secrets. Now, this scene was very important, and I thought, um... It was, I thought it was one of the better scenes of the episode. I have a bit of issue with it. Now, I sang Alice's praises kind of sort of in the last episode, and I was a fan of hers over the course of the show. This show, I realized, is making me not like these people, like really not like a lot of the people on the show. And it's not like, oh, you're having an emotional reaction, so the show is doing a good job. No, I really don't like anyone on this show. Save for Josephine and Kevin at times. Um, I I don't I don't like them. So pretty much everyone sits in a circle and daughter Edgar never says, you know, you gotta tell us your secrets. And it's made the way it's set up is that you know that in order for Polly to be part of this group, she did the same thing. And in order for Alice to be a part of the group, she did the same thing. What pisses me off is that now when it's time for Betty to do this thing, they're listing off all the things she's done. Taking the drugs, being dark Betty, having a um whatever situation she had with Chad, with Chick, 
killing that stranger and cleaning up, helping clean up the blood with Alice. Um, uh, uh, just a, a pretty much everything that we've seen her do over the course of the of the show. My thing is, why the fuck, if you're telling your secrets to get in, would you then tell Betty's if you think that you want for her to join this group? She's assuming she wanted to join on her own free will. She has nothing else to tell. You've told all of her secrets, all of her little things that would give her make her feel like she's like at least confessing of herself and everyone's, you know, welcoming her in. You've told all her business. So it's like, what the fuck? And then they're looking at Betty like she crazy because she's upset. She's like, well, what about you motherfuckers? You've been with Ethel every single time that she's had a fucking seizure. Then all you motherfuckers showed up in town, this fucking farm, at the same time that this Gargoyles King shit didn't showed up. Then Mrs. Egan, daughter Egan, never, whatever, was like, yeah, well, um, your mother told us all about gargoyles and juniper whatever the fuck that shit called and she's like well that doesn't make any sense how does that how would she know and i'm though i'm the audience so i know that this her the adults in the town have played this game before i'm still like yeah how the fuck do she know so apparently she told all of betty's secrets all of her secrets it's just and what's even more frustrating is that you keep trying to protect betty and the kids from all this shit but clearly polly is sitting here right as rain happy as a motherfucking fat kid with cake and she know all these goddamn secrets but what about it's just it's frustrating i'm like how are you i know some stuff has to be done just to push the plot forward but it's so many things that they keep fucking up on um and so betty actually it seems like she almost has another seizure or faints when she starts talking about the gargoyles game and her mom is looking at her and she's like oh no you know what you're right she it's too early she isn't ready we don't have to talk about this um which makes me think that either there's something mystical going on where maybe the adults of the town when they were kids and played that game did some type of like magical pack maybe the curse was if you ever you know, your kids will play this game and they'll die. Or if you talk about it, they'll have seizures. I don't know. Something is going on. I'm interested to see how this plays out. I hope it's satisfying, be it good or bad. I hope it's not some bullshit as last minute thing that they've tacked on to the story. But I, that whole scene really rubbed me the wrong way because I'm thinking, what if Betty actually wanted to join in this cult that you guys have? You've told all her secrets. You've told all her business. What else is there for her to tell? There's nothing. So now that she has nothing, what could she possibly give of herself? And uh, so the next couple scenes or whatever, when uh, Betty's getting ready to go to the speakeasy, Alice walks in her room and she's like, well, you know, where are you going? I'm going to Veronica's thing and something, something they talked about. And Betty's like, you won't even tell your own daughter about what happened with the Gargoyles game, but you'll tell this group of strangers. And she's like, yeah, I trust them more than I trust you. Like, bitch, why am I even here then? Like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, I was with Betty when she said, why would you tell them about chick? Now, I'm off two minds. When daughter Evernegger was like, yeah, she told us about, you you know, your uh, hand and what went on with the secret man or whatever. What Betty did was, which I thought was so odd, and I hate when people do this in TV and comics and 
movies and whatever, she immediately started shouting about what was actually done. I'm like, well, maybe your mom didn't tell everything. Like, you talking about, oh, you told her about how we killed that man and Chick did this and we cleaned up the blood and we burned the car and we did. I'm like, why would you just rattle off all the things you've done? Like, you could have been like, mom, why would you tell that and let that be it? But maybe that's the way to catch up the new audience who hasn't watched the first two seasons, but that was still kind of weird to me that you would just yell out everything that you guys have done, but whatever. So the mom trusts these other people more than her, which is like, whatever, that's what she does. She's a horrible parent and has been a horrible trash ass parent for quite some time. How do y'all still have this house? Where are you getting money from? Alice doesn't have a job. Polly doesn't have a job. Betty does not have a job. You don't seem to go to class. Like it's just, at this point, it's just a set. You, why are you, whatever. Um, uh, oh, so we got the stuff wrapped up with Archie, but then when it comes to Ethel, she, she has Jughead sit down with her to, to play the Dungeons and Dragons game. And he passes all the levels or whatever, which I think she was just like bullshitting to get him to drink from this chalice. So she pulls up her little partition and there's two, cups there and she's like okay and you made it to the magical door and you're the war leader and you need to drink one of these and he's like fuck no what the hell wrong with you and she's like well in order to get the book you have to do such such." so he drank it nothing happened he like fuck it when i'm done with this you gotta give me the book she gives him the book what she says oh you have to kiss me first and i was like all right that's gross because i don't like her at all so he kisses her he gets the book and he's reading it and the way they set up this shot and the rest of the scene made me feel like she was going to knock his ass out with like a brick or something. Um, and I don't know how to explain the shot, but if you watch the show or if you see that scene, even by itself, it 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 puts you in the mind of so many other scenes in the past and other uh, media where people have done that. Where you kind of look away, doing something else, and then you get knocked upside the head. So... He she doesn't. What she does is she runs to the other chalice and drinks from it. And he's like, No, don't do that and pulls out her hand after she's like drank half of it and like walks her off to the side, like to near the bed, which I guess we were supposed to assume they were going out of the bunker. But if she drank this poison that has her all fucked up, she ain't making it up that ladder. This is such a whatever. Maybe I'm being pedantic, but it was that was weird. So she um they end up at the hospital. And I don't know why Jughead is there by himself. Um, he's like, when your parents get here, you have to tell the truth. And she's like, oh, oh no, silly. You know, you've proven yourself worthy and the king will spread the gospel and whatever. So the one of the final scenes is her in the bed on her knees, the hospital bed with the restraints off. And she's like talking to someone. It looks like she's maybe talking to the ceiling about, oh, I've spread the gospel and this and that. At the same time, Jughead is walking into school uh oh quick little flashback uh fast rewind (laughs) uh jughead and betty jughead left the book and his trailer when they went to the speakeasy where josie sang and a phenomenal number which was oh gosh she was beautiful oh my god just skin popping voice soft and glowing and heavy just i stand so he get back to the to the trailer fp and alice have flipped the trailer up and down to take the uh to find the book they throw that shit in the fire they're talking about when you motherfuckers can't play this game and this and that but again not telling them why they can't play the game which 
I'm sure there's some type of curse or you're sworn to secrecy. But if you know that your kids are looking for reasons to uh, legitimate. And, and, um, okay, I'm against the main four and the bullshit that they do. But if you know that your kids are trying to figure out what the fuck is this game is about. Not even just because, oh, it's a fun game. But because people are dying. You would want to throw them a bone or something. Or do a better job at like getting rid of shit. Which they haven't. So, um, the only copy is burned and he's mad. So Jughead gets to school the next day and everybody has a copy of this goddamn book because apparently Ethel passed it out, put it in everybody's locker or somebody helping her. He said, now the way he was speaking, he being Jughead as the narrator towards the end of this episode made me think that maybe Ethel was killed herself. Now she's bowing down to something and she's like, yeah, I spread the gospel, my King, my Lord or whatever. And it is the gargoyle king it's that whole thing that kind of chased them them being uh betty and jughead the other episode i don't i hate my ethel i i want her to drink that kool-aid and be done and i don't want her to come back we can do without her just trim her off the show we don't need her um this was an interesting episode i still don't know where i am yet with the show i'm enjoying I guess tuning in to see what happens, but as far as like a plot and the story and shit, I'm I'm in it, but reluctantly I'll say that. Uh, I don't know Tony Topaz and and Cheryl. I mean they're cool. I don't I don't really see it for them. They don't to me look like an actual couple, and not aesthetically like oh they don't look good together. They just don't fit the actresses don't seem to have the chemistry that would, I don't know. Maybe it's me. I know I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Um, I think it's cool that there is a lesbian relationship that's on this show, but I just don't like them. It just, they don't, maybe we need more screen time with them. Maybe I need like a solo episode or a, or a Cheryl, Tony Topaz heavy episode, but I'm not really feeling it. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, favorite character of this episode E, let me see. Oh, <laughs> um, I say Josie, Josie. Probably, honestly, it'd probably be more Reggie. Seeing more of him in the in the show, um, because Veronica's storyline is pretty much her and her dad are going back and forth, um, and her and Tony and Cheryl go to the Ghoulies Club where they're making jingle jangle, take pictures to threaten her dad. Her dad brings her this big ass picture from his office and is like, take the shit. You know, you threaten me. Uh, I know you don't want to hear it right now, but I'm very proud of you and what you accomplished. And she's like, oh, this is what a legitimate business looks like. like okay, well, whatever. Okay, sport. Both of y'all. So I could care less about that storyline. So yeah, um, favorite character probably would go to Reggie. Um, he was shirtless. Archie was shirtless because it seems like every episode Archie has to take his shirt off. But now I'm thinking like, is Reggie going to be more prominent in this show going forward? And he's going to take the place of the jock who has to take his shirt off. Perhaps least favorite was Ethel kill her. She can die off and well, I'll be done. I'll be happy with that. Um, yeah. And that's that. So <laughs> until next time, we'll see what Riverdale has to offer. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying Sabrina, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. So, you know, that is kind of the 
sister show to the Riverdale gang over here. So if you are not have not checked it out, please go ahead and do that because uh, there will be a spell in Greendale coming up soon, probably this Friday, no doubt. So, um, yeah, for those of you who want to weigh in on the conversation, did you like this episode? Did you hate it? Any fan theories? Any ideas? How did that fucking Edgar Ever Never living room scene, how did that rub you? Was it the wrong way? Any idea on what the Gargoyle King is or what that's about? Like, I'll take, I want to hear what you guys think. I, um... I'm kind of taking it as face value at this point until we get a little bit more information, but I just, I'm just so tired. <laughs> this show <laughs> exhausts me sometimes, but all in all, I do actually like it. I'll, I'll admit, I do like, it's just so much shit going on. God damn it. <laughs> oh, well, y'all. So um, hit me up on the Twitter. Use the hashtag WTRpod. Hit me up at CarefreeBlur. That's one of the most immediate ways to get in touch with me. Or you can email me at CarefreeBlackNerd at gmail.com. Um, any other social media site is more than likely CarefreeBlackNerd. Also, just going over to Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. And uh, give me some likes and some comments and share some stuff. Make your grievances and all that good stuff. Also, if you um, are I iPhone, Apple Podcast user, go ahead and give me those five-star reviews. Give me a rating. Let me know what's going on. Which show do you enjoy the best on this network? Which show do you enjoy the second best? <laughs> so, y'all, until next time, uh, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, stay out of Riverdale, stay out of Dilton Doily's bunker. Stay away from Ethel. Stay off the farm. Uh, just pretty much stay home. Stay home. Or like visit Greendale or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, y'all.